Thanks, Nisa. I'm joined today by Jesse Proudman from Strix Leviathan. Hi, Jesse. Thanks for joining us today. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. Great. Um, today's crypto RFQ is going to be a little different than some of our previous um, versions. Uh, Bitcoin's been trading at a relatively tight range between nine and ten thousand dollars since the halving, and traders are probably going to break one way or another. Um, for those viewers that aren't aware of it, a Twitter commentator that goes by the name of Plan B last year published what he called the Bitcoin stock to flow model. Um, and it was jumped on by a large swath of Bitcoin hodlers as a guaranteed vision of the future. So that was no doubt helped by the fact that it forecasts another soon to come price increase. Jesse, you're not a fan of this Bitcoin stock to flow model. Um, can you tell us why and why do you think it's flawed? Yeah, absolutely. So we're big believers in the need for fundamental valuation models in this space. I think most people have approached this space as a speculative asset, as a speculative investment, uh, and they follow sort of other traders. Fundamental valuation models try to put some future price on some fundamental item or element about uh, a coin. Yeah. The problem we have with, with the stock to flow model is that effectively the, the theory behind it, it's not a theoretically valid theory and then the math behind it is, is not valid. And so what you end up with is a model that projects Bitcoin to be $100,000 this year um, and upwards of sort of $245 billion per Bitcoin as the model uh, plays out over the next 40, 50 years. And so it, it's really, it's a marketing model more than anything else in our eyes. Um, and it's disingenuous. It attracts people to invest in this space for the wrong reasons. Like we believe this is an interesting asset class. We believe the price will go up uh, over time, but we want people to invest for the right reasons, not because they're following a model blindly that, that is not theoretically valid. Right, okay. So is there any merit um, to the model when, um, you know, he's talking about applying it to gold and silver? Yeah, it's a good question. So the model itself effectively is trying to say that you can map out the value of, of Bitcoin using this ratio of uh, the stock on hand, how many coins are already on chain versus the new stock that's created the flow, yeah. um, effectively how many coins are mined uh, in each block. And he's built this mathematical model that maps that over the history of Bitcoin and then tries to use gold and silver as two examples of that in, in other metals that have similar characteristics to Bitcoin. Whereas um, the, new the new coin or the new commodity that is mined uh, doesn't have a significant impact to the existing stock on hand. And the challenge is when you actually look at the data for gold or for silver over the last 150 years, stock to flow, uh, the valuation models for those is all over the place. It's an $8 trillion range. Um, so there's there's not sort of a predictive characteristic in gold that you can use with with these values, and so in our eyes, right there, you, you can't necessarily take that model and try to apply it to, to Bitcoin if it doesn't work in other assets. Okay, so the the Bitcoin hype cycles, especially since the happening, have seemed quite cynical, right? I think some of us expected that you know it was going to generate this fever. Um, it's stayed pretty stable. And, you know, I use that word kind of loosely, but I mean, really hovering between that nine and 10, it's, it's pretty stable. It usually, yeah. you know, has more movements than that. So, um, you know, is, is there a way that you can look at this stock to flow model and justify that forecast um, for different reasons? 
Yeah, it's, it's a good question. I mean, I, I think the having has always been looked at as this, this really fundamental point in the history of Bitcoin. And the challenge is that there have only been two prior halvings right. to use as evidence of, of what's going to happen. And so uh, following both of those halvings, we saw pretty dramatic rises in the, in the price of Bitcoin. Certainly, it took time for, for those rises to materialize. Yeah. I think a lot of people look at the halvings and they think pretty simple sort of supply-demand economics. So if demand stays constant and supply is cut in half, um, in theory, the, the price should rise. And the, the stock to flow model follows that to, to some extent. Um, but there's a lot of uh, realities with this particular having around the institutionalization of mining that, that haven't occurred in prior havings, right? The, the amount of money that has been invested into data centers, into equipment, into power contracts, the tools these miners have between futures contracts and options contracts to, and lending markets to be able to hedge their positions. All of these are things that, that didn't exist in the last two mining cycles, the last two halving cycles, I should say. Um, and it's those things that, that we believe really are impacting um, the, the price now. So we're neither sort of bullish or bearish on, on this particular cycle. Like the price will go where the, the price goes. But I think you have to realize that this having is very different than the last two and that two prior data points don't necessarily map out uh, to predict this, this existing uh, having. So what do you think that the lack of action since the mm -hmm. happening tells us that, you know, we're queued up for a sharp price increase or. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I mean, I, I think, this is a speculative market and speculative traders go where there's the most action. And if you look over the last two months, that's been the stock market. The stock market has lost all grounding in reality. And um, it's tr being really treated like sort of the crypto alt markets, like things don't make sense. And the price action there is, is pretty crazy. And so that's where I think you're seeing the bulk of retail traders. That's where you're seeing the bulk of speculative traders. And until the stock market calms down and, and gets back to some semblance of, um, sort of traditional normalcy, whether that's logical or not, um, I think we're going to continue to have some, some challenges with limited volatility in, in the crypto space. Well, that's really interesting. I just had a conversation earlier um, with a regulator that is focused on crypto assets, um, amongst other things, but we were talking about crypto assets. And um, he was saying that, you know, he's watching the traditional markets and crypto is the least of his concerns at the moment. And he is wondering where all these retail day traders are coming from on the, the likes of Robin Hood, et cetera. Right. I mean, just look, look at Hertz, right? Like, yeah. The Hertz bankruptcy and, and issuing another billion dollars of stock. I mean, these are like, these are straight out of crypto storybook, yeah. um, yet they're happening on the traditional financial markets. And, and so that's where, in, in our eyes, sort of the speculative traders that push price around in this space, that's where they're playing today because that's where the returns are. Okay. Well, Jesse, thank you very much for breaking that down for us. Um, I learned something today, which is great. Um, and hopefully we'll have you back in in a couple of weeks and uh, maybe we'll check in with you on where that Bitcoin price is then. Great. Thanks so much for having me. Thanks again.